0: Hey everybody and welcome to the first episode of the We Will Break the Stigma podcast. My name is Adam Burek, and I'm dedicated to breaking the stigma of mental health within my community. I decided that after 22 years of experiencing mental health challenges alone and not opening up to anyone that there's a better way to live and receive support. I started telling people what I was going through and experiencing and the results in my life have been amazing. Contrary to my fears, I didn't lose any friends, nobody called me weird, and my mental health and support groups actually benefited. Due to the positive effects on my life, talking about my mental health and feelings, I am hoping that by helping others share their story that it will create a domino effect of more people breaking the stigma of mental health and talking about their challenges with others. Therefore, this will be the very first episode of my podcast titled, We Will Break the Stigma, which will play host to individuals opening up and sharing their stories and challenges with the goal of destigmatizing mental health, one person and one conversation at a time. I am so thankful to have my first guest and fellow Blue Hen, Jenny Bases, join me on the show. Welcome, Jenny.
1: Hi, Adam. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Um, I'm so thankful that we were able to reconnect and um, record this, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about your uh, story and what you've done to kind of get you to the place where where you are.
1: Yeah, thank you. I think it's so amazing that you're doing this, and I feel really honored to be here.
0: Awesome. Well, I do have a couple uh, quick introduction questions, um, kind, of, kind of like some breaking the ice uh, for you. Um, so... Yeah. So where where are you from?
1: So I'm from Rockland County, New York, uh, about 45 minutes out of the city.
0: OK. OK. So is that is that near Westchester area?
1: Yes. Exactly.
0: OK, great. OK. Uh, a lot of a uh, lot of fellow blue hens over in that area. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and what are you what are you doing for work right now?
1: So I work uh, for a marketing agency. I work in lifecycle marketing. I I love my job. Actually, I don't know how many people can really say that. Um, but I work at such an amazing company, and we have the best clients. Um, and I work a lot with like customer retention and creating like a seamless customer journey. Yeah,
0: yeah, I um I can definitely understand that a lot of people um probably would not say, and what I hear a lot is that. You know, most people don't really love what they're doing. So I'm curious: is this your first job, um, or have you had other roles? And and what what makes you love it so much?
1: Yeah, so it's definitely not my first job. Um, after graduating from Delaware, I I worked in Spain for a year teaching English, just kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. And I worked in a couple other jobs that weren't super satisfying and. They actually were like a huge part of, you know, what would contribute to like my mental health and, you know, poor mental health and being stressed and overworked. Um, And I found this job. So I I was working in the marketing field and I knew I wanted to do that. Um, But I found this job actually by kind of looking around at people that I knew and trying to find inspiration from them. And I did um, actually these like meditations where you think about people who you know have have a similar lifestyle to what you want. And I actually reached out to somebody who I thought of. And now I work with her at this company. Um, and I love it. It's just we have great clients and they give like such an amazing opportunity for work-life balance. Um, you know, they, the owners are really understanding if you need to take a day, if you want to take vacation. Um, and it's very much like self-accountability and it's yeah, it's such a great environment.
0: That's phenomenal. Um, teaching, teaching English in, in, uh, in Spain for a year had to have been uh, incredibly rewarding. I, I actually did a uh, service year myself in Florida right after college, and I felt like it really helped me figure out what I wanted to do, um, you know, but it's still not perfect as, as we all go through the challenge of, you know, of the question of what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Um, I think it's really cool that you, you know, it sounds like you used a lot of the the power of intentions um, and really kind of setting goals and, you know, a lot of manifestation um, in terms of, you know, figuring out where you wanted to be in your career. And you're right, too. You know, I think one of the things that I've realized through working in different places is that, you know a lot of organizations um might say that they have a culture that that stresses and values work-life balance but they don't actually and what what we both know and what we're going to talk about today is that if mental health isn't there if your mental health isn't strong you're not going to succeed in anything that you do similar to if your physical health is wasn't there and you're you know have physical ailments you're not going to be successful in work, school, um, really whatever personal life. Um, so that's great that you found somewhere where you really feel like that's a, a a stress, a stressor and something that they value so much.
1: Yeah, it's really, it is really rare to find, especially, you know, so many people working fully remote, including myself, um, just feeling tied to like a computer all day. But, um, Yeah, honestly, getting getting this job really was like a manifestation (laughs) that came through. And I think one of the main things um, we could talk about this further later, too, it was like reframing a mindset from like being kind of jealous of other people to being inspired and taking that and asking for help, you know. Um, I think that was something that I had always kind of struggled with. And I just would be like, well, why do they have something and I don't have it? Instead of being like, hey, how did you get that? Like, how can I get that, you know?
0: Definitely, that's, that's such a great point. Well, I, I'm glad to hear that, um, that things are going pretty well um, at the moment. Um, you know, work from home, I, I think, is probably a, a, a challenge at some level for everybody. I know certainly for me being an extrovert, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I was um, just going to say. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely very challenging day in and day out, um, if I'm being honest. So uh, I think we all have to find ways to um, really take care of ourselves and, and be comfortable, you know, in our day-to-day and with what we're doing. Um, and I know you're going to share a lot of what you've learned with us. So um, I'm really thankful for that.
1: I'm excited to get further into it.
0: Awesome. Well, so you you and I talked um, as I kind of started this effort of um, taking my um, mental health challenges uh, publicly. i was I was hosting a um, a community wellness call during the kind of during the heat of the pandemic, where we could get together and talk about things that we might not talk about in a work setting or even in a family setting and, um, really kind of talk about, um, what was, what was going on and, and whether we needed any support with anything. Um, and I, I learned, you know, from you that you had some challenges while you grew up, um, with mental health, kind of a, a you talked about it as like a, as two main, you know, challenges that, you know, festered into, um, you know, some real struggles. Um, so I, I'd love to kind of start there and, and for you to talk a little bit about what that was and what that experience was and, and what, what you learned from it.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, so I think the kind of main, the main issue that, you know, maybe snowballed into kind of everything else and, and trying to learn how to manage it in everyday life, Um, My parents got divorced when I was around seven um, and it was obviously a lot of change. And I know, you know, so many people go through that with their parents separating. um, And unfortunately, you know, the relationship that I had with my father was not so great after the divorce. And it was, we had been really close and, you know, daddy's girl, everything like that. And then post-divorce, I felt a lot of like abandonment. Um, And that kind of led to just other issues coming up in in every single area of my life, you know, Um, and it wasn't exactly like this super traumatic, um, neglectful experience. But when you're a child, everything is so amplified and your brain is still, you know, trying to feel safe in the world. And I think that that really impacted me and impacted my kind of like self-worth development.
0: Definitely. Definitely. I hear, um, the word abandonment a lot now that I, um, you know, do speak to, you know, openly about my challenges with some people, which causes other people to talk to me about theirs. And Mm -hmm. for people that haven't heard of it or, um, you know, don't really understand what it is. Can you talk about what, you know, what, what, That felt like, and what some of those thoughts were that you had that, you know, around the abandonment after the divorce?
1: Sure. So, for me, and in my experience, I know it can be different for everybody. Um, Abandonment kind of felt like, you know, my father was no longer present in everyday life. He was no longer emotionally meeting all of my needs. Um, Everything was kind of on my mom, who was like the primary caregiver. And it kind of felt like, I got into the cycle of like, you know, he he only showed up at the big things, at the graduations, at the dance recitals, and the the one example I can use is that you know he's never driven me to a uh, you know dance practice, but he would come to the recital, and it would feel like, you know, he would only show up when things were really perfect or when things were um, at their peak. So, you know, as a child going through all of the stages to get to that perfect moment or to get to that accomplishment um, he wasn't there so that definitely led to like a lot of perfectionism in me in school and in work I mean it had it came out probably um, this one you know issue specifically of perfectionism and not being able to ask for help or want people to see projects that weren't finished Um, you know like a year or two ago when I was working and I was like this is totally from my childhood and it's still with me to this day, even, you know, with all the therapy that I've had.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's um, such a common um, thing with a lot of the, the mental health issues and challenges that we feel that, you know, a lot of them do stem from you know childhood challenges or issues or trauma. Um, and really until you get into those core issues and, and really identify, recognize, um, become aware and, and, um, you know, become accountable for them. You know, that's really when the, the, the healing work begins. Um, when, when you were talking, I was thinking, um, did, did you feel that you and your mom were not uh, good enough for your dad? Was that, you know, part of the perfectionism?
1: Yeah, certainly there were like elements of that. And, um, I think the kind of like not good enough almost was furthered by like, you know, both my parents got remarried and had, you know, kids and whatnot. And I think when you, especially when you don't live with the parent and you watch them sort of like start this whole other life, it really, you know, it it becomes the narrative of like, well, what about me? And, and was I not, you know, a good enough child or, this and that. And it, it wasn't always necessarily him doing anything intentionally. You know, I, now that I'm older and we've, we've healed a lot of our relationship, I want him to be happy. And I love my half brother and, you know, but when you're a child, your brain like, you know, is not really objective like that.
0: Definitely. And, you know, there may be, I mean, I, divorce is is seemingly more common. Um, the, you know by the year i i think um the divorce rate just just keeps going up um so i know a lot of um people that i've met you know have gone through that at some point in their life would you have any advice for people that have either gone through you know had their parents go through a divorce um and and have had mental health challenges from that or, or for people that are currently going through it?
1: Yeah. um, I would say, you know, if, if you are kind of old enough to be able to look at your parents as full human beings, which is not always easy, right? Like they're always, you know, perfect mom and dad, they do everything. If you're able to look at your parents as human beings and, you know, separate yourself from them, separate all of your ego from them, you know, you want them to be happy. And if they're not going to be happy together in a relationship, they both deserve to, you know, have a clean separation and go their own ways and, and really exist as individuals. Um, My parents had kind of like a, you know, nastier divorce, if you will, there was just a lot of hurt everywhere. And so I think, you know, just offering compassion to your parents as people, And in terms of like going through a divorce, I've, I've never been through one myself, but I do know that, you know, even though it was obviously sad and I had my own issues with it, but being able to watch somebody walk away from something that didn't make them happy was really inspiring and empowering. Um, and I look at my parents and I'm so happy where they are, you know, for them, where they are now and just just being able to say, you know what, I'm I'm gonna choose happiness no matter what, and I'm gonna choose to be happy on my own rather than be, you know, miserable or unhappy in a relationship with somebody else. I mean, that's the most powerful thing you could do for yourself.
0: Definitely, thank you for that. That's that's really helpful. I think, um, you know, having you you're 26, right? Yes. Yeah. So being 26, and instead of being seven. Um, and, you know, being able to think about um, these things, uh, like a divorce and, and like your parents, um, with a fully developed frame and a lot, you know, a lot of more lived experience and um, understanding of, of really how people work and, and emotions. Um, I mean, that, that can make a, that obviously makes, a, you know, a world of difference. Um, I'm curious when you were, when you were younger, when you were seven, were you, um, were you talking to anybody about what was going on at home? Were you, or was that something that was just, you know, within you that you were, um, you weren't sharing at all?
1: Yeah. You know, my parents tried, (laughs) they put they put me and my brother in, um, therapy, family therapy, but we were just, we were so young and it was so like, it was almost like, embarrassing for us to talk to some stranger about it you know um and you're a kid and you're like oh my gosh i'm bored i'm sitting here there's this old guy i don't know what's going on um so i don't think i really talked about it to anybody until maybe i was like 10 or 11. um and that's you know that's also when you start to have like more awareness of what's going on outside you and it's not just like i go to school and i come home and i you know do everything um so it really, I mean, it took a few years to kind of like fester in me um, to the point where I was like, oh, this, you know, this was a little bit traumatic.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's that's such an important point. I, I, I always say that, you know, I wish that I talked about the things that bothered me as a kid um, and really that bothers all of us because the the point of this podcast is to say everybody has something that, you know, is challenging them, um, even the most successful people in the world. It's, um, you know, there's a stigma around that we all, you know, aren't dealing with anything and that, you know, everything is perfect. um, But there are challenges, you know, everywhere you look. Um, And so I think the more and more we encourage people to be able to talk about things, um, knowing that there is a challenge at seven years old, when when you're you know you're 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 hardly even you're just a child and you know I can totally imagine that you not really understanding what was going on and you know not understanding just the the importance that that time was going to play um you know it, it that's really hard um so I think one of the things um you know I would like to you know, work on and figure out is how to, act, how to get kids that support when they need it, even though, even when their maturity is obvious, they're not mature at all. And they're just kids. Um, right. You know, I think that's a really hard thing to figure out because I I was the same way. I, I would, I would rather have been with, you know, playing outside, playing basketball with my friends than getting support on something that I really did need.
1: Right. And I think, you know, kids will obviously like express their emotions in such a different way than adults and I don't feel like there's a lot of tools like that are meant just for children they don't teach it in school they don't really you know it's up to kind of the parent to teach a kid how to emotionally I,
0: I don't know if you want to have kids or not um, I certainly do and that is something that I do honestly think about um, yeah. and, and full disclosure is is just the challenges of parenting and you know while also working while also you know um you know having a life and and especially as kids have more and more challenges um mm-hmm. you know it's i think that that role is really a lot on the parent, which um you know I wish there were more supports at at every level you know at the school at you know at at friends encouraging you know their friends to talk about things you know, really just the, the whole societal shift into being able to, um, you know, allow for these types of conversations.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I would love to have kids, but I think I need to figure more of this stuff out first before I think about
0: it. Definitely. Um, <laughs> definitely. Me too. I, uh, you know, I, I, sometimes it does worry me that I'm 27 and, you know, we're, we're, um, you know, we're just, we're just, uh, you know, figuring some of this stuff out, but it, it, but it is because life is, is hard. Um, And I
1: mean, and you won't figure it out at all ever, you know, like some, some stuff you'll be just dealing with and trying to manage it day to day. And I think like, that's one thing too, like, just looking at our parents and, and maybe places where they fell short or they didn't know how to handle certain situations, like, you know, just having so much compassion and understanding for that and where they couldn't show up for us.
0: Definitely. Um, I think that they're, you know, they're, they're humans at the end of the day too. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, you know, they're doing their best um, too and everything. And, you know, they're really doing everything because they, they love you in, in most cases Um, and giving them grace and understanding that, you know, that not not putting the the blame on on them for these challenges um you know and really just trying to um learn from them and and everything is is really the the you know one of the things that has helped me get through um you know some some of the challenges that I've experienced as a kid such as growing up with the club foot um getting support for you know for speech therapy when obviously as, as an adult now, I, I don't see any evidence that I ever had any challenges with speech. So there was some resentment that my parents made me do speech, you know, because it was embarrassing at the time. Yeah. Um, similar to how it might have been embarrassing for you to talk to a stranger about your parents getting split up. Right. Um, you know, I think, but if, but my whole message is if we can start talking about these things and realize that every single person has something. Then it's not as embarrassing, and it's not anything to hide. It's actually something to that makes you who you are. Um, right. So that's 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 the whole point um, of this this uh, this effort. Um, so yeah, I, I um, so you said that your parents are both remarried now. Mhm. And um, so uh, so do you have uh, step siblings?
1: I do, yeah i have um I have three stepbrothers um from my mom's husband. Unfortunately, one of them um, had passed away, but he was so amazing, and I miss him every day and then on my dad's side, I have a half brother so i have I have all brothers, actually.
0: Oh wow, so you have yeah. four brothers
1: uh yeah, and then I have one um like full brother okay, okay. <laughs> so I have well, I'm lot. sorry for
0: that lo- <laughs> I'm sorry for that loss. Um, uh, thank you, yeah. Well, that's that's uh, you know, that's that's great that you you know, it sounds like you have a, a pretty big family now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was definitely an adjustment. Um like yeah, as I did. But it's it's turned out to be pretty funny.
0: Yeah. Well, that's great. Are they are they local or are they all spread out?
1: Um, so yeah, my half brother, my dad are local, and then my stepbrothers are about like an hour an hour and a half away so mostly we see him at holidays and stuff but
0: oh great well that's that's awesome um yeah I uh I'm uh, so I'm I'm really happy to hear that you know you did um you have mended um the relationship with your um your your dad uh and um once again thanks for sharing and you know being vulnerable to talk about these things
1: yeah, of course. And, you know, I mean, I think part of the like, mending can, just comes from being able to like, forgive and to accept, you know, the things that maybe like, people just are not able to do for you. And just to say, hey, you know what, I know that this, you know, maybe isn't your strong suit, but I'm going to choose to like, love you anyway. Or, you know, on the flip side, if if you don't want to choose that, and you choose to walk away, you know, it's it's kind of always your choice of how you can you can heal at least, you know, in your little bubble of individual healing.
0: Definitely. That's, that's really important and really helpful. So the, we talked about the, the kind of two, two main challenges um, that you experienced while growing up with, with mental health. And um, the second one, can you, can you kind of, go uh, go into some detail on that and talk about what you were experiencing.
1: Yeah, so um, before I kind of go into it, I just wanna give a trigger warning um, to anybody who's struggling with body image, anything like disordered eating, um, there's gonna be like mention of that. Um, so if you wanna skip ahead a little bit, please feel free because I know that can be a lot to hear about. Um, but yeah, so with me, I think, you know, we had talked about like perfectionism and how that really started to fester in my life. And, you know, a big symptom of that was having, you know, um, just, just like all these like issues with eating and, and weight control and kind of using that, you know, like method or outlet as kind of a way to like control my life. Right. And like, manage my anxiety about everything that was changing and unknown and you know my self-worth was so low from from the abandonment issues and then also you know I had just started like high school at that point um, which is hard for anybody without abandonment issues right like you're in this period of your life where you are suddenly thrust into like peer approval all the time um and so and I was also a dancer and I did cheerleading so it was a lot of, you know, looking at your body and being dressed up like that. And so that was really a way that I um, just controlled everything. And I really felt like I based my self-worth on how much I weighed or how much I ate or what I felt like I looked like. Um, And that definitely, I mean, the self-confidence issues like have followed me throughout my whole life from that.
0: Yeah. um, Well, I'm obviously sorry to hear that you, you know, have gone through that. And that's been a challenge. Um, I can only imagine how, you know, how hard that that was, um, and is, and that, obviously, it seems, it can seem like these things, you know, kind of come up and fester at the, you know, at the most challenging times, you talk about, starting high school and, um, you know, I, that is such a challenging time with, um, you know, every, it felt like for me when I was in high school, that everything was whether my friends liked it or whether people were gonna, you know, accept me or whether I was gonna fit in. And I didn't realize that until many years later. Um, so yeah. Can you talk about, you know, um, what that looked like and kind of what, um, that peer approval was like for you. Um, and, um, you know, if if you will, like kind of what you've learned from that.
1: Sure. Yeah. I, I think a lot of it, um, you know, as I mentioned was, was just control over my whole life and trying to control something when I knew everything was changing and things were, things were so different and always, you know, moving, um, But like in relation to kind of like my peers, like it was just the way that I tried to gain approval from everybody, and there was you know this period of just like constant comparison, like oh this this girl has a flat stomach and I don't have a flat stomach, and you know I have to wear like this cheerleading uniform, but this girl looks better in it, so like I need to you know not eat for two days or something crazy like that. and it's just you know everything is such a big deal when you're that age because you're it's you're the center of your own universe you know, and for me like that was kind of around the time where I actually started to practice yoga and I I have to say like one of my friends took me to she, I, I think you know they knew I was struggling and they just said to me hey you know I go to this yoga class sometimes I think you should come. Um, and I'm like forever grateful to my friend for that because I went and it was the first time that I had felt like I had, um, like a peaceful relationship with my body, even if it was for like an hour and I felt like I could appreciate my body for like what it could do for me and how it could feel rather than just kind of like abusing it for the way it looked or, you know, the way I wanted it to look. So that was really the first time that I, I was exposed to that kind of like peaceful feeling, you know, with myself.
0: Yeah, that's, um, you know, you're hitting on a number of things um, that I think a lot of people have experienced um, Mm -hmm. in terms of the constant comparisons, the um, feeling like everybody's thinking about you all the time. And (laughs) when, when, when uh, I call that the, uh, and I think other people call that the you know, the star of your own movie. Um, yeah, and, you know, nobody actually cares um, they 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 do care, but they care that you're happy and that you're feeling good. Um, and um, really, you know, I think there's been, and I'm not going to get into this too much um because there you know, we could talk about this for a long time um, and and social media is is a good, is good for society as well, but there is a lot of you know, things that it, it challenges that it causes. Um, I couldn't
1: imagine being in high school and and having access to Facetune and Instagram influencers. And I mean, I I could not imagine how it feels.
0: Yeah. Do you, you think that would have made, made the comparisons and the, you know, the fear of the perfectionism and the fear of not being good enough worse?
1: totally because it, I mean, it made it worse when I was, you know, an adult and I, I have honestly like had to just watch myself really closely with who I follow and why I follow people and how much time I spend, you know, looking at other people's highlight reel because it can, you know, it can be really upsetting to uh, probably not only me, probably to a lot of other people as well.
0: Definitely. There was, there was a period of of time in my life when I, you know wasn't feeling great about where i was i i didn't it was was in college i didn't know what direction i was going in i felt like i wasn't you know really adding that much value and and i i was posting on instagram the most at that time yeah. um you know i think to show that you know i was doing really well even yeah. though i wasn't on the inside i wasn't telling anybody that but my way of showing, oh, that, that I'm having an awesome time was to put out, you know, these pictures that of my life that didn't actually match what I was feeling. Um, and I think, you know, I've seen some accounts where people will post pictures of themselves crying when they have a tough day. And they're like, you know, well, I told you I'd post all the good, the bad and the and the ugly, um, <laughs> which is actually my life. Um, you yeah. know, I think because not everything is, is um is, is you know rainbows and and good um I I I think you know the there are good aspects to social media too um you know I'm sure I wonder do you follow anybody in in yoga or any in mindfulness or anybody that is a positive influence?
1: Yeah, I I definitely follow like so many beautiful creators who just like have like really nice writing or like I follow people that will have like journal prompts or like just anybody who talks about like, you know, their, their kind of journey with mental health. And um, there's probably so many, I honestly can't name anyone specific off the top of my head. I'm happy to give you a list to put in the show notes um, of who I follow, but it's really, it's, it's so hard to curate your kind of like feed like that, you know, where you intentionally follow people for certain reasons, rather than just like, oh, I, you know, I love this girl's life. So I'm going to follow her or I think this person's hot. So I'm going to follow them. You know, it's it, it can get tricky.
0: Definitely. And I would say one thing that I would um, encourage, and I'm sure you've done this, too, is to just, you know, for people that aren't um, you know, accepting of, of your challenges and, uh, you know, positive influences in your life to really, you know, consider the role that they're playing in your life and, and, you know, think long and hard about whether, you know, they add, they are adding, you know, positivity and, and helping you or not. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I've realized, and this goes into peer approval as well, is, um, you know, I really can't remember the last time that I've, um, that anybody really in my friend group, um, you know, my broader friend group, um, has put down somebody or, Mm. you know, been, been, you know, intentionally mean other than maybe like, you know, um, kind of joking around and, and actually having it be a funny joke. Um, because that's not, you know, we've realized now at, at, you know, in our later 20s, that that's not something we need to do. And, you know, that if we're doing that, that probably shows that we're not as comfortable with ourselves and are having to, you know, put down others. Um, So, you know, I think I've tried to make more of an effort to, you know, just have people in my life that are, you know, a positive influence.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I really love that. And I think it's, you know, it's really easy to fall into like the gossip you know, cycle of, you know, just using other people for entertainment and for conversation. And if, if that's really all you're talking about, you know, are you really good friends with somebody if that's, if that's all you have to say to one another?
0: Yeah. I, I, it's funny you say that. I try to get my drama from external sources. So yeah. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll watch, I watch a lot of reality TV yeah, um, big 90
1: you know, Day Fiance fan over here. That's yeah,
0: for me. yeah. I um, you know, and and I think um, you know, I listen to some podcasts uh, like the J Train podcast or something like that. You know, that puts a lot of the you know the challenges that we we feel um, as you know mid 20 year olds or or younger college kids um in perspective. Um, and they talk about a lot of the things that we probably experience day to day, like, you know, challenges with dating or with, um, you know, not knowing where you are in your career, not feeling like your, your life is where you want it to be or where you pictured, um, you know, I think that's, that you, understanding that people are going through the same thing is, is one really good way to, to um, deal with and, and work on different challenges.
1: Hmm. Yeah, definitely. I f- and I feel like you know we live in this culture of individuality, and really, you know, I mean, as humans, we're meant to function as interconnected beings, and we're we're meant to rely on each other for support, and we're meant to ask for help. And you know, it it does to not to be cliche, but it takes a village to raise kids. It takes a village to keep yourself afloat. You know. And I actually, um, it's so interesting. I've i have read this article about, you know, why certain places in the world have, you know, the oldest living people and that kind of thing. And aside from like a Mediterranean diet and things like that, it's, it's typically the fact that they live closely with other members of their community and they stay emotionally connected.
0: Definitely. I think that's why people across the board, no matter introvert, extrovert, you know, um whatever people um you know whatever type of personality people have the covid was so detrimental to mental health um yeah. you know on 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 people um i i'm i'm um i'm curious uh so do you do you still uh struggle with uh you know i i, I think um and correct me if i'm wrong i i think the body issues can can kind of tamper down and be, be a little less, you know, frequent and, and challenging, but is that something that you still do struggle with?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't like, thankfully, you know, I actually kind of recovered from like the habits, I guess, um, of like dealing with them, but there are definitely, you know, times where you have a little bit of like, you know, body dysmorphia, or you feel like, you know, if you go on vacation, you eat like crap for a week and then you come home and you're like, oh, like I'm, you know, I feel so like fat. And I just dissecting that kind of feeling has also been um, interesting and, and healing as kind of like a whole societal reflection of like, OK, well, what if I was fat and like, what does why is that bad? And why do we associate, you know, someone who is fat with with being bad and why don't I want to be that? Um, so it's been, it's definitely been, you know, a theme throughout my life and just being able to like find acceptance and, and just saying, you know, wherever I'm at, it, it's okay. And it's not bad and it's not good. It's just like my body. Um, so like a lot of people will say like body positivity, but I tend to lean towards like body neutrality, um, which was a term that I found and I really liked it. I connected with it a little more, um. But you know, one thing that has really always carried me through in terms of like journeying with my body has been practicing yoga, and you know, I became a yoga teacher um, about five, a little over five years ago, and um, just like having something to connect like to my body and to connect to my mind and move and and meditate and just really have like a purpose for my body other than existing and looking pretty was always you know something I always came back to to heal
0: yeah I you're uh you're you're just on a roll you're I mean this is I mean I'm I'm in I'm in awe of the the journey (laughs) that you're you've experienced and the wisdom that you have um yeah so I I I do hope uh that being this first episode that people do listen and do hear, you know, your advice. I mean, this is just incredible body, uh, neutrality. And, um, because body positivity is, is, I, I also agree with you that, um, you know, uh, I think there, there's some association around that, that term that you have to be positive about it, but that's also an unrealistic expectation. Um, you know, I I I like I like the practice of gratitude journaling. Um, but at the at the, you know when things are are really hard, you know, it it you rather than just needing something to be grateful for, understanding that you might not always be grateful for something, um, just like you might not always, you know, feel the best about your body, but that's okay, um, is 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 really powerful and really awesome to understand. Um and I, uh, I am really thrilled that you found yoga too. Um, I'm sure yoga helps with your body. You you know, you're you're connecting with your body in a different way, but also, um, I am wondering if you felt, you know, do do you feel like you have a, a very active and, or overactive mind?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I, so, you know, one, I guess you could call it like my diagnosable, uh, situation would be like I just have intense anxiety and I just overthink and I, you know, I feel like I constantly have my brain running and to the point where sometimes when I sleep, I wake up and I just don't feel rested because I felt myself dreaming and thinking all night. Um, But I mean, yoga is like when you have something to focus on, whether it's, you know, your breath or it's someone telling you what to do with your body or how your body feels, like you just kind of like step out of that mind, um, that mindset. And you're able to kind of feel you feel connected with yourself, but you just kind of feel connected to like this oneness of like, you know, I don't want to get too woo here, but like I call it like the universe, or if you want to call it God or whatever, you know, just that feeling of connection with something that's larger than you is, you know, it's kind of really healing. And it takes a, a lot of practice to be able to surrender to that. Um and that's like one thing, you know, I really struggle with is surrendering control. Um, I'm kind of a control freak. So being able to do that, it's, it's really difficult, but it's, it's definitely so helpful for just like my brain and resting, you know?
0: Definitely. And I asked about the overactive mind because um, that's something that I have as well. I've, I have, I uh, have, yeah, I guess what you said, diagnosable for me, <laughs> I, I have ADHD and um, OCD. Uh, so that combination makes my brain always on. Um, and actually I was doing yoga. I was doing, um, they called it Bikram, but they're not calling it anymore. I believe it. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's called 26 poses now. Um, okay. And it was hot yoga. Um, and I was wow, doing that at one point, like three to four times a week. And my friends and uh, you know, people that I would be around when I would come home from that, they would be like, you know, they would say, hey, did you smoke weed? Like, did you, you know, did you just take a nap? Like, what is going on with you? Because I was so like, you know, I was so much more relaxed and so much more, um, you know, just my thoughts were actually like not everywhere. And that was really due to yoga. And unfortunately, I kind of stopped going um, during COVID, uh, because all the studios shut down and I, I really like the hot yoga aspect. Um, and I really, really need to get back into it. So maybe this, this episode will, will cause me to do that. Um, (laughs) the one thing I would ask is, you know, and what I experienced is I think, um, knowing that, you know, you're getting some benefit out of the yoga, even if you can't do the poses, like, I'm not that flexible it was hard for me um and it was also really hard for me to stay in a you know the first class i ever did was an hour and a half and it was really hard for me to stay that's hard in for a me room and stay silent <laughs> yeah i would say like so I, I wonder if you would agree but i would say don't you know to people that might want to try something like that know that you're getting benefits even if you're not feeling like you're you know doing super well at it or like doing it correctly you know, you're going to feel benefits from it.
1: Totally. And that's, I mean, that goes back to kind of, we talked about like perfectionism, you know, and knowing that like, you don't have to, you could literally lay on the floor and breathe in a yoga class and you're doing it right. Like that's what I, what I always tell, like my yoga classes when I teach, like you could literally lay here the whole time and, and you're going to feel great afterwards. It's all just about like centering to yourself and being able to sit back and observe how you're feeling rather than judging or diving in or attaching to one certain thing and just saying, you know, I'm just going to sit here and like objectively watch myself and, and what's going on and breathe.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you're, and to go along with that, you're, you're also just putting, giving yourself time to work on yourself, which I think is a, is something that a lot of the teachers that i've come across would say like thank yourself for giving yourself this time um you know that's that's kind of a practice that i have when i might not have worked out as as you know hard as i have in other days you know at least i'm doing it um you know 95 percent of life is showing up or or whatever that cliche quote is but it's actually true in a lot of things do you do you teach online
1: You know, I don't anymore. I was teaching um, on Instagram live kind of during the peak of the pandemic, but I just feel like a lot of people got burnt out. I still have some classes up on Instagram, um, but I would love to get back into teaching, you know, whenever I can.
0: Yeah, definitely. I was going to because I was going to say, you know, I'm sure there would be some people that would be interested in taking a class. Um, So, yeah, do, do do let us know if you if you do go back to the Instagram live at any point. For sure. Great, well, thanks Thanks so much again for sharing um, those experiences. Um, I wanna move into uh, where we actually know each other from um, in in college. Uh, Both Jenny and I went to the University of Delaware um, and probably had somewhat similar experiences in some cases um, you know, with the type of school that Delaware was, um, obviously you know i I like a lot of people, um, you know college was was great, but it also was challenging um, for you know for a lot of different reasons. so um, if you if you would, would you kind of talk about um, you know the the role that college played in your life um, you know while you had these these different um mental health challenges going on
1: yeah so it was you know it was quite the change um going from i went to a small catholic high school and then i was kind of thrown into this very large and party centric environment um and i think you know in in any college situation like you're you're 18 years old you don't know who you are you don't know what you want and you know you could have a the strongest foundation but you're still going to confront situations that just challenge you in so many ways and i think you know at the at the beginning of school i was just i just wanted that still that peer approval and i wanted to meet people and be social and have fun and i i certainly did all of that but i think you know i went from a place of being severely um like anxious and depressed and struggling with disordered eating and that kind of thing. And then I just kind of went the entire other direction of like completely numbing myself with like partying and alcohol and and just constantly being with people. I think that's something that you don't really talk about too much either is like in college, you're constantly surrounded by people and you don't have a chance unless you intentionally make time, you know, to be alone. And I felt like those first two years, I I was very disconnected from, from my core self. And I was in a culture that was so new and unfamiliar and it was exciting, but, you know, when we reflect back, there were definitely a lot of issues with, obviously with substance abuse, with misogyny, with all of these things. Um, And as, as I think I got like more, you know, sure of who I was and, and spent more time alone. And that's actually when I, you know, senior year, I, did my yoga teacher training and I was able to once a week or, or once a weekend, every month, I was able to step away for the weekend and go do my yoga teacher training. I had time to say like, well, maybe I don't want to do this all the time. And maybe, you know, some of these, some of these situations that I'm in are not really like helpful to me. Because, you know, I, I think I would get into this cycle of like, okay, you have fun, you drink, you go out all weekend, and then all week you live in a state of anxiety and stress doing schoolwork, and then you just want to release it all the week, and it just becomes this cycle of like, you know, numbing yourself every weekend, um, which was hard to come out of afterwards as well, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, I... I... I couldn't agree more. Um I I said, you know, coming into this question that you know, I think we would ha- would have had similar experiences in some ways, obviously different in others. Um but that's my experience too. Um I lost who I was. Um and um was scared to be who I actually was. Um you know, and um I I actually had such a challenge, you know, a, a challenge and such a hard time, you know, with that cycle that I had to, you know, completely quit that cycle and quit alcohol, um, mm-hmm. senior year. So, you know, that's how bad it got, um, you know. And I think I also, it's it's so funny that you say that you, um, you know, you were doing the yoga once a weekend uh, or once a month for a weekend. Um, I also had to start, when I quit drinking, I had to get off campus on the weekends, because that's all anybody did. That's not yeah. all anybody did. That's all anybody I was associating with did. Right. Um, there were obviously people that didn't engage in that lifestyle um, and atmosphere, but that's what my, my group did. Um, and you know, I, I wish, um, I, I'm sure you felt the same way, but I felt like there weren't many people that I could connect with, that understood what I was dealing with and feeling um, you know, and would be willing to um, you know, get out of that scenario with, with me.
1: Yeah. It it was definitely kind of like, that was, that was popular culture there. Like you went to the bars or you went to parties and that's kind of how you did all of your socializing. And it's definitely, it's tough to go somewhere. Obviously you can go somewhere and choose not to partake in drinking or whatever, Um, but it's difficult and it's, you know, people say like peer pressure whatever. And I think peer pressure shows up in, in unexpected ways. And it's not always like, Oh, drink this beer. But when you're there and you feel maybe anxious and you feel like people are judging you and that kind of thing, it is peer pressure. And I think it would have been hard to try and go socialize with a bunch of uh, drunk college kids when you were not drinking.
0: Definitely. Um, (laughs) Did you, so did you like kind of um, dread that cycle? And like, did you want to get out of it?
1: Yeah, by the end of school, I was very ready to be done. I I think I felt like, you know, I know which friendships that I'll be keeping at, you know, after school. And I know which friendships are not only based on um, socializing and alcohol. And I still have those friends. And, you know, I think they all knew my situation. Um, but I was, I remember graduating and, and just not feeling sad and just being really as much as I loved it there and had a great time. I just felt really ready to move forward. Um, even though, you know, it's scary obviously to become a a young adult, but I was ready to escape it. And I, I think my body was ready more than anything, you know, I was like, it's, it's certainly not healthy for anybody at that age to, um, to do it like that, that frequently
0: yeah, no, it, it isn't at all. I felt the same way too. Um, and, uh, I, I think for anybody listening that is struggling with substances, um, and, um, you know, challenges with alcohol or drugs or whatever type of, um, you know, addiction, uh, there, you know, a, one, I, I, I know, I know exactly how you feel. Um, for me, it took me took me about three years um to actually quit um, you know i tried drinking in moderation and all that and, you know nothing worked um, and i think there's there was this belief that i had in college that i could just you know the second i graduated i could just turn off the the the, the mode that i was in when i was there and not have to drink like that anymore or there was this belief that, you know, alcohol addiction or drug addiction, you know, was based on your, you know, genetic composition, not, you know, you, that I didn't have more likelihood to become addicted with the amount I was drinking and with the amount I was binge drinking, which couldn't have been more false. Um, in fact, the the culture, you know, at, at Delaware and the, the heavy drinking, you know, I believe and I think you might too, causes people to become dependent on substances, because it's so much more than most people or more than we should consume. Um, And so I would say if you're in that environment, you know, actually to be conscious about it and know that these things can happen. Um, You know, I mean, several people died, uh, you know, with alcohol related things at our, um, you know, at our school, And, you know, there were, um, there was, you know, sexual assault, there was, you know, really, really bad and scary and traumatic, awful stuff. Um, You know, there's this invincibility um, that, you know, kids feel. um, And, you know, you're listening to both of us. And, you know, it, you know, even though we both graduated and, you know, are successful, um, there were a lot of really challenging things that happened.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, as you said, like the quantity in which and the frequency it's like, it's literally the center of social life for a lot of people there. Um, and I just think like, I, I wish that I had made more of an effort to de-center it when I was in college, um, especially earlier on. And I now I have younger cousins who are starting college, in college, et cetera. And I, I have seen them actually like Decenter, partying and alcohol from their lives. And I, I just look at them and I'm so happy. And I'm like, I wish I did that because I feel like I would have had a lot more, um, you know, impactful and like, I don't want to say like spiritual, but just like more like soul affirming experiences than I did. I mostly just had fun.
0: (laughs) You would have been, you would have been, you would have been living the way you wanted to live and with, and being comfortable with who you are.
1: Right. And, you know, actually, like, and I was so lucky to study abroad um, when I was there. And that was probably like the first taste of that decentering I had because I was like traveling and I was meeting people and doing language exchanges and volunteering in a school. And I had all of these other things going on. And it was and I still, you know, went out and I drank and I was in Europe. So um, but like it was it was the first taste of the, that decentering I had of it. And I think that's why I had such an amazing time, you know, because there was so much more to life than, than Natty Light.
0: <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> you know? um, exactly. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I also, you know, at some a lot of times I kick myself and I'm like, you know, I really wish I experienced a lot of different things, um, you know, and, and while I was there. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it is part of like our experience in our story and we did, you know, we do understand it now. And, you know, I, I tell people, um, you know, that I, kind of, I grew up, you know, probably about five years earlier than like I was going to just because I had to, um, you know, and that I did realize that I could have fun without alcohol on, you know, on a Friday night or a Saturday night. Um, uh, and there was more to life than that. Um, yeah, and good
1: for, you for quitting too, I just want to say, like, I'm, I'm proud of you for that. Cause that is really hard, especially, you know, not only when you're in college, when you're in your twenties, like a lot of people expect that out of you. So that's great.
0: Thank you. Yeah. I, I really think, you know, and I may, um, go, I, I published a blog about reflecting on five years without alcohol. Um, and I've been talking to some people about it recently, um, and giving some advice on, um, you know, quitting or, or tampering something down. Um, and I, I think the key, um, and, you know, I think the key to really anything that you want to do is having a, a a large reason and, uh, you know, a, a a large, um, goal and understanding of why you want to do something. Um, for me, you know, I, I knew that I wouldn't be able to do what I wanted to do. And I wasn't the person I know I am with alcohol in my life. Um, And that was I mean, that right there is so powerful to the point where it allows me to say no over and over and over, um, because I know that I'm saying no for, you know, a really strong and um, and, you know, really like life saving reason.
1: Yeah, that's amazing.
0: Yeah. So let's let's kind of fast forward um past college to um we 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 connected uh recently and um you told me that you uh had you've had some changes recently and uh currently including a big move so can you can you talk about that
1: yeah so um recently maybe like two months ago I uh I went through a breakup with my uh ex-partner and We had been together for about five years um, and we were living on the West Coast and we had moved to Denver and then we broke up and I decided to move back home to my parents' house and with my grandpa, um, which was obviously, you know, not an ideal situation for somebody that hadn't lived at home since I was (laughs) before college, you know? Um, cause I moved out immediately when I graduated and stayed out and, uh, it's, it's been a lot of change and obviously I've had moments of, you know, breakups are always really sad. You have to separate yourself from somebody that you care about and, you know, you feel upset that it didn't work out. And, um, we also, um, had a dog together, so I, I ended up taking the dog, but it was very painful to separate, you know, the two of them Um, because like having a pet is essentially like having a child in some ways Um, and yeah it's it's been a lot of change and I won't lie there have been so many moments of you know sadness and just feeling just feeling a little lost and feeling like you know I had been building a life with somebody and now I'm you know all of the decisions are up to me and I call all of the shots now so in theory, like that's really great, right? Everybody gets to rule their own life, but um, it's it's a little scary. And I think, you know, I've just been trying to like take time to like process everything. And thankfully, like my family has been so supportive and so happy to have me home. You know, I've been going to my cousin's football games and hanging out with my grandpa and just doing all the things that I've missed out on for so many years. Um, so I, I feel really grateful to have this like big support system here. And that's a big reason why I ended up moving home and not just staying out West. Um, but yeah, like now, you know, I feel like I'm on this kind of like journey back inward and and back to myself of like, you know, I've, I've always been trying to cultivate a relationship with myself, but now it's, it's really like my main focus and all I kind of have to focus on Um, so it's, it's both exciting and scary at the same time.
0: Definitely. I, uh, I think, you know, the, everything reminds you of that person. Um, you know, especially you have a dog in your life every day that I'm sure you see, you know, your, your ex in the dog, um, you know, all the time. And, um, You know, I think being with, for you to be with somebody for that long and, you know, and then literally move, move coasts, um, you know, right after coming out of a pandemic. um, I mean, that's a lot. Uh, We talked about, you, you and I talked about um, how you felt like really all your experiences in life and with challenges and getting through those things have kind of have prepared you for this. To be doing, you know, not obviously you're not, you know, it's not great. It's still really hard, but be, to be doing okay, yeah. um right. And you know, to so I think it's, you know, for you to be able to have all that change and have all those challenges right now and to be, you know, sitting here and talking about all of it and working on all of it. I mean, is is really commendable and incredible.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, you know, it's. I I knew everything was preparing me for something, but I I have maybe thoughts that there's, you know, of course going to be so many other things in my life that I have to deal with, but I just feel like in, you know, in past relationships and breakups and I, I certainly have like crumbled before and like really been broken down and, and put out for weeks and crying all the time. and. As much as this is you know upsetting and I really I still care about my ex I wish him the best and he's a really great guy um I just feel like I have so like so much support not only like in myself but around me and I feel like you know leaning into that it's scary to be like I really need help right now but I talk to my friends every day I call people all the time I talk to my mom you know When when she gets home from work, I feel like a kid again because I'm like, "Hi, how's your day?" Like, I immediately want to go and talk to her and just catch up. Um, And rather than kind of like turning inward and just breaking down, I feel like I've been able to just, you know, let other people help me, and that has been like the main difference I found. And I, but I think before that, I just didn't know how to do that without seeming like, you know, weak or whatever. However, you think you're going to come off when you need help or whatever, but. Um, you know, it's, it all also has to do with the fact that like, I have tried to build a strong like relationship with myself and I have tried to like cultivate some sort of resilience and know that like, kind of, as we were saying before, like things are not always going to be great. And if you can just kind of like hold your own hand through the times that they're not great, like you're going to make it out in a
0: Certainly. I, I, I I think, I think that's, that's so true. And, um, you know, I, I, I I think that leaning into those, that support and also what, you know, helps you feel good, um, and, you know, feel empowered and really knowing that, you know, you're going to be okay. And although it's really uncomfortable without somebody, um, and they miss them, And, um, you know, that you did think that you might be spending the rest of your life with them, um, knowing and trusting that, you know, if you do, you know, continually work on yourself and, um, live the life that you want to live, that there will be somebody out there that does come, um, and that you're okay if they don't come. Um, you know, I, I think, um, it sounds like, you know, connection to others is, is really important to you.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I love, I have so many amazing friends and family and I, you know, I have to say like, I'm romantic and I, I love, you know, when I'm in a relationship with somebody I really care about, like, it's very important to me. And I do hope that like one day I have a partner, but like, yeah, as you said, being able to kind of like trust yourself to be alone and, and know that like, you're going to be just fine without them. Um, I think that's like so powerful and I think that's honestly what kind of like will set you up for a great relationship and like, you know, obviously I've had all of, all of those issues in the past with, you know, my father and abandonment and like that has always shown up in relationships that I've been in and I've, you know, tended to be like with people who maybe aren't like super emotionally available and now, like just knowing that and having this time to like heal and connect with myself and be really emotionally available for myself, I think it's kind of like the best thing that I could do.
0: Definitely, I I, uh, I think that a lot of people will will really um, understand that and get a lot of get a lot of um, get a lot of out of that. Um, so thanks for thanks also for sharing that and having it be so fresh. I, I know that's not easy. Um, but like you said, you know, you, you, you know, that it just wasn't the right thing. Um, no, no personal, nothing personal, but it was just, you know, it wasn't going to work out. Um, well, I think we'll, uh, we'll end with that. Um, and I did want to give you a chance to, um, say any, you know give any parting advice or you know say say anything um to end the episode
1: yeah you know i think everything we've talked about has been like so powerful and impactful um and just like watching you be vulnerable has been really inspiring for me and i'm sure for everybody else so if if anybody's listening and and struggling with any you know not only the things we talked about but just anything like please like find, find support and somewhere where you feel really safe, whether it's support in exercise, support in your family, support in a therapist. Um, and just know that like everything is going to pass and we live in this, you know, I don't, I don't look at life as a cycle of, you know, bad and good. It's, I look at it as kind of a spiral of like, every time we go through something, we get closer and closer to our, like, authenticity and to like our heart center. Um, so just keep going and, you know, keep reaching out and keep pouring love into yourself. That's really all I can say.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so, so much for coming on, being the, being the first guest and in a podcast that I hope reaches, um, you know, thousands and thousands of people and that more people feel, through us being vulnerable and being out there and nobody just, you know, excommunicating us from their lives or, (laughs) uh or, or, you know, saying you're a weirdo and what's wrong with you. Um, I hope that that lets you open up to one other person, um, knowing that it'll really benefit you like it has for us. Um, and with that, uh, I wanted to, uh, just, let everybody know that the next episode will be coming on, um, the, uh, 30th of November. Um, so Tuesday, November 30th, um, which is actually giving Tuesday for nonprofits. So, um, you know, hopefully, uh, (laughs) we'll, um, a lot of mental health nonprofits will get a lot of support that day, but thanks so much, Jenny, again, and, um, we'll see everybody next week.
1: Thank you,